May I ask you to uh, stand up once again? I'm going to read the scripture together. Uh, if you have a Bible with you, or if you have a smartphone with you, you can turn to the book of Acts, chapter 2. Uh, I'm going to read from uh, NIV, New International Version, but uh, whatever translation you have, let's uh, look at the passage together. Acts, book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 37 through uh, 41. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many words, other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourself with this, from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. And he spoke the very uh, first sermon. Of course, the message is about the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Peter was telling them, telling the Jews, you guys are the one who crucified Christ. You are the one who killed the Messiah, God's anointed one. And uh, he added, uh, verse 36, Therefore, let all Israel uh, be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. Even though you killed him, don't worry, because God raised him from the dead and God made him the Lord and Christ. That's the message that I shared with you uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, you know, this message was kind of dangerous message because to the Jew, how can you say blasphemy kind of word? I mean, how can you mention that Jesus is the God? To them, they, you know, they were very religious people, right? So it could be, they could be, they could, I mean, stone Peter to death. I mean, they could kill him. But Peter was filled with the Spirit and he boldly spoke this word. God made him the Lord, Jesus Christ. He was God himself. And, and he was the Christ, meaning Messiah. He was the anointed one. He was the chosen one. You, you killed him. When they heard that, since it was the work of the Holy Spirit, they were convicted. So they repented. They, they came to Christ. That's the message that we just read. And uh, that's a great lesson that we can learn from their response. You know, when the, the Peter spoke the word of God. When the gospels preach, this is how they respond. So whenever we hear the message, whenever we open the scripture, when we come before the word of God, I think this is everything we're supposed to learn. You know, the lessons. I want to very, very brief message I want to share with you. Number one, we need to get convicted. Whenever the word of God is preached, we need to get convicted. Verse 37, when the people heard it, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, other apostle, brother, what shall we do? 
because they were convicted. You know, notice the expression cut to the heart. Uh, when you look at the Greek translation, Greek word, it means to pierce, to sting sharply, to stern, to smite. It literally means to cut, to be cut with a life. You got stabbed with a life. In other words, Luke says, when the crowd first heard this message, their hearts were pierced with conviction. But conviction of what? Conviction of their own guiltiness and their own need of mercy and grace. Their hearts were convicted, full of regret, full of remorse. You know, that's how the word of God works. That's the Bible that you and I have. That's how this word of God works. Uh, this is a well-known passage. You might know this passage. Hebrews 4, chapter 4. For the word of God is living and active. The word of God is living and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing swords and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and editors of a heart. Nothing in all creation hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him whom we must give account. The word of God is sharper than what? The, any sword, double-edged sword. And it penetrates hard. And it divides and separates evil one from godly ones. And nothing can be hidden from the word of God. Everything is uncovered and being naked. That's how the word of God works. This the scenery reminds me of the story you probably are familiar with. The C.S. Lewis is a, the stories, right? The, the Narnia series, Chronicle of Narnia series. There was a guy named Eustace. He was a mean guy, so mean. He was doing all kind of evil stuff, and he one day turned into the dragon, and he hated himself. I mean, the person became a dragon, and he hated him so. He hated himself so, so much. So he tried to peel off his skin. Every time he peeled off, there were uglier skin underneath appeared. And he ended up hating himself even more. Make a long story short, he met the lion, Aslan, representing Jesus Christ. By his powerful crawl, he got, his heart got cut. And from Dragon, fine young man stepped out. That, that, you know the story. You're probably familiar with the story, right? After that incident, you know, this is what Eustace said. I was afraid of his claws. I can't tell you, but I was pretty nearly desperate now. So I, ju I just lay flat down on my back to let him do it. I just let him do it. The very first tear he made was so deep that I thought if had gone right into my heart. And when he began pulling the skin off, it hurt worse than anything I ever felt. <laughs> yes, it is painful. It has to be painful. When we stand before the word of God, we feel like, you know, we feel like we're being naked. And facing reality is always painful. We have to face the reality. We have to see who we are. By reflecting the word of God. Let me ask this question. Have you ever convicted by the word of God? Let me ask this question. Have you felt the heart piercing by the word of God? If not, 
we may not, we're not maybe spiritually healthy. Maybe we are spiritually sick. I love, I want to share this passage with you. The Spirit clearly said that in the later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. This is what Paul said to Timothy. Such things, teachings come through the hypocritical liars whose conscience have been seared as with a hot iron. You know, sometimes our, our conscience, this actually expression uh, that only uh, literature used, when they uh, tortured the prisoners, they were using the hot iron to torturing them. But if you press in the same place again and again and again, you don't feel anything. Our conscience can be like that. This is a serious matter. In today's text, their hearts were pierced and they cry out, Brothers, what shall we do? This is the expression we ought to express. You know, John Carbon wrote, The mind that is overwhelmed with horror runs to God. This was so, your hearts were so convicted, so you want to run to God. You cannot delay running toward God. That's what that means. You know, gospel is good news, right? Evangelion is good news. But good news always are the bad news. The, without recognizing how sinful, how evil we are, there's no good news. True conversion begins with a true conviction. Brothers, what shall we do? This expression means regretting my previous and present lifestyle and asking God, how shall I live? Brothers, what shall we do? It means repentance. If we trust money, you're not going to say, what should I do? Because everything will be sold by money. If we trust you, we have a healthy young bodies, right? Physical being, right? If we trust, if we trust your healthy body, you may say, you know what, no matter what happens, I think I can handle this. You're not going to say, what should I do? If you trust somebody, who is in proper position, you're not going to say, what shall I do? Because one simple phone call will solve everything. So sometimes God is taking away our materials, our physicalness, you know, whatever it is, so that we can say, God, what shall I do? Brothers, what shall I do? This expression, expression of Moses when God appeared to him in the burning bush. I select you as a leader. I want, I want you to be the, my uh, right hand to deliver the Israelite from the land of Egypt. You know what Moses said? Who am I? There's no way I can do this. That's what shall I do? That's what that means. Remember the Isaiah, he, he met, he experienced the presence of God when he entered the temple. It was so real, so overwhelming. Was, his presence was there. And realized, man, my life is so filthy. My heart is so dirty. I'm going to die. That's what exactly means. What, what shall I do? Remember Peter? When he was a fisherman, he tried to catch the fish all night long, but he couldn't. And Jesus, hey, won't you uh, throw your net on the right side, right-hand side? He just simply obeyed, and he caught a lot of fishes, right? Remember what he said to Jesus? Depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinner. That's what shall I do means. That's what that means. 
If you can say, I have been Christian all throughout my life, yet I have too much issues in me, and I am still too far away from your standard. If you can really say that, that's what that means. That's expression, what shall I do? That's the same expression. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. When we open the Bible, when we, whenever we come to the Bible, whenever we hear the message, we have to say this phrase, God, what shall I do? Whenever the word of God is preached, the second response should be, we need to change direction. Not only we say that, but we have to change the direction. Verse 38 says, Peter replied, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repent. What's the repent mean? Repent means change the way you think, change, way, change your mind, change the direction. It's not abstract thinking, but it's specific acts. It is change of direction. Sometimes we stop because we're sick and tired of keep sinning. Some of you agree with me? Oh my goodness, I'm, I'm, I'm too tired of sinning. So I'm, I'm, I'm stopping. Is that repentance? That's not repentance. That's what I call resting. Recharging. Recharging time. Repentance means you turn. 180 degrees, that's what repentance is. Change the direction. You've been, we've been going this, this, you know, the destructive ways. Repentance means you turned. Learn toward God. That's what that means. Louis Burkhoff, he pointed out, the New Testament speaks of repentance in three ways. Intellectual repentance, change of our view, you know, thought. And emotional repentance, regretting sorrow over sins that we committed. And last one is volitional, change of purpose, turning away from sin and seeking pardon and cleaning, turning toward God. Repentance involves turning toward God. That's what they mean. First Thessalonians 1.9-4, they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idol to serve the living and true God. That's what repentance means. Turn away from idol and turning toward God. And also repentance is not regretting. It's not crying. But it is change of direction. And also it's not, pre- you can't pre-plan repentance. Sometimes you do that, right? You feel like, oh, I need to get repent, but I will kind of save you know, a few more days, a few more months, a few more years. Maybe I do that you know, next year. You can you can repent because it's the work of the Holy Spirit. When convic- it's, it's you know work of the Spirit, right? When it convicts us, we have to repent. So we cannot delay. We cannot uh, put you know repentance away. There was a sister who used to come to our KM services. She every time she comes, she became very emotional. She shared the tears. I thought, wow, God is doing something on our life. Nothing changed. She's been, you know, like, I met a lot of members like that. They come to church and they shed tears. That doesn't mean they're repented. We can be emotional. We can come to church and we can you know, share the tears. One day she decides, you know what? I need to forgive this guy, but God's been convicting my heart. I kind of delayed it, but I want to forgive that person. She repented to the Lord and she asked forgiveness to the person. You know, after that incident, God was doing miracles thing in our lives. I I believe that's the moment. You you know, have that moment. 
we need to have those kind of moments. Lord, I, I forgive that person. Lord, I repent to you. I turn myself to you. That kind of moment is what we need. After the incident, God was, God's Holy Spirit was working on our life. And many things were happening in our life. There was a uh, power of loosen, loosening. Things are happening in our lives. She's been praying for a certain thing and God was answering her, her prayer. And things, things can be done when we return to the Lord, when we truly offer forgiveness to the Lord. And repentance is not just one you know, instant things. It is one, one time instant thing, but it is also process. Let me ask this question. Have we ever repented God's same issue they've been, I mean, more than once? You've been praying this issue with God, you know, please help me to, you know, handle this stuff. I'm not going to do this anymore, sort of deal. But you are doing exactly the same thing again. Right? You know, that's why it is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. Sometimes it happens overnight, but it takes time. That's why it is dependent. But the important thing is this. We have to stand toward God. That's what repentance is. Even though we fail, even the Satan accuses us, how can you do that? You claim yourself a son or a daughter of God? You know, he is accusing us. Even if he accuses us, you have to still face toward God. Lord, I regret, I repent again. I turn to you again. That's what repentance is, because it is a process. Do not turn away from God. I love the phrase today. I stand before the cross and yeah, that was that that wasn't that nice. Third and last point is we need to get baptized. What do you mean, baptized? What is baptism, by the way? It is a sacrament that unites us with Jesus Christ and makes us a member of God's family, the church. And this is how it defines the baptism. Baptism is the signs and seal of our oneness with Christ. So through the baptism, we recognize that we die together on the cross with Christ and begin to have a new life with the resurrected Christ. That's what baptism is about. I'm not talking about just baptism. I mean, in fact, it is important. So if you haven't get baptized, get a baptism on this Easter Sunday. But what I'm saying is this. It is uh, responding to the life. Life, Jesus Christ. I love this passage. This is one of my uh, life words. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I die together with Christ and rise back again with Christ. My old natures die on the cross and now have new life in Christ. I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. I live by faith. That's what that means. That's what I mean by we need to get baptism. Verse 38 says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. It means every one of you. Not only few of you, but every single of us. You know, repentance means, I always you know, consider it as a three Bs. B is belief, change of perception. And second B is belonging. We belong to God now. If you have given yourself to the Christ, you belong to God. Can you say amen to that? You belong to God. 
You don't belong to Satan. No. After we gave our life to Christ, we belong to him. And the behavior can be changed. Belief, belonging, and behaviors. Therefore, we, uh, I love this passage, since then you have been raised with Christ. Since you've been baptized, since you hold on to the Jesus Christ, since you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We set our hearts on things above. Our heart, precious heart, has to be set on the things of all, things of God, things of Jesus Christ. Let me conclude the message. God offers salvation. Only through his grace and mercy we can be saved. God is the one who initiated and fulfilled the salvation. I love this Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. He is the author and perfect of our faith. That passage gives me a lot of encouragement. Brothers and sisters, he, God, initiated the salvation plan, right? He's the author. He came into our lives. He came into my life. He came into your life. And he's the one who's going to complete it because he's perfected, right? All you have to do is just trust him. Just trust his work. You know, imagine this. When Peter spoke his first message, 3,000 men. He said 3,000 men got baptized, right? 3,000 people. But actually, you know, they were only counting the men that in the, back in those days. So it was probably, I, would, I would probably say 8,000 people came to know the Christ. It is work of Holy Spirit, right? I pray you and I can Trust God. Trusting Him. Trusting Him. And we'll experience the hands and work of Holy Spirit in our lives. Let's pray. Lord, help us to help us to get convicted when whenever we open the scripture, whenever we hear the word, Father God. Lord, help us to change the direction, Lord God. We want to learn to you, Lord. We want to turn to you, Lord God. Help us to walk together with you, Lord. Because you are our Lord and our Savior, our God. Bless each one of us, Father God. Help us to realize how precious we are in Christ. You gave everything to save us, Lord God. Help us to fully realize that, Lord Jesus, and walk with you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.